doing it? It's fine right now. Okay. Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell. And in this episode of Chick Flicks, we are talking about two movies that may not seem connected. Steven Spielberg's Jaws and the Japanese film House. But first, let's catch up. What you into, Bridget? Oh my gosh. Okay. Unless you want me to go first. That's okay. I'll I'll go. Um, <laughs> I have been watching the TV series on HBO called Betty. It is a spinoff of Skate Kitchen, which was by uh, Crystal Moselle. I have not actually seen Skate Kitchen. I know you really liked it, um, mm-hmm. and Jenny really liked it. But I'm loving Betty. It's about a group of teenage young girls, uh, young women. Why do I sound like an old man when I say young women? <laughs> young ladies uh and other people living in new york and skateboarding it's a really strong cast of kind of non-professional actors portraying versions of themselves and i'm just really enjoying it it's i feel so attached to the friend group already that Mm -hmm. i feel like very protective of them and there's this one young character she seems young to me, but I can't really tell any of their ages uh who in one episode In Skate Kitchen, I think they're like late high school. They've they're already graduated from high school, but they're okay. not like going to college. They're just Got it. In between. Got it. That makes sense for how they act and stuff. But there's like an episode mm-hmm. where this one young girl goes over to this kind of like semi-famous skater's house who's this he looks to me like he's 35 like he looks way older <laughs> than her and the scene is just shot so um suspensefully i guess where you're like oh my god is he gonna do something to her and you can tell she likes him but i feel like i'm mm-hmm. an older sister watching the scene like this is yeah. not right you are so young he is creepy <laughs> don't do it uh so oh my god really enjoying that and exciting to see excited to see where the season goes um i'm reading a book that i picked up from one of those tiny libraries that are around i picked up because i recognize its cover from bookshops it's called nothing to see here by kevin wilson and my roller coaster with this book so far is i cracked open the spine after having it in the house for three months and never looking at it i saw that it was a book that seemed to be from the first sentence about a female friendship written by a man and i was like oh sure <laughs> but what it's actually about and i'm really enjoying it it's about this two friends who meet in private school when they're teenagers and one of them is a scholarship uh, kid who's like really poor and the other is this very wealthy entitled young woman named Madison the narrator who is the poor friend takes the fall for Madison about drugs in the dorm room and gets expelled like 20 years later or 10 years later they're in their late 20s Madison is married to a senator and she calls upon her old friend from the boarding school the narrator um to help her with something she offers her a job so the narrator Mm -hmm. goes to visit madison and madison reveals that the senator she's married to has two children from a previous relationship and their mother just died so he is gaining full custody of them and the catch is when these children are angry they combust into fire and they uh the senator is uh, being vetted to become secretary of state. So they're really concerned about people knowing about the children. So she asks her old friend, like, can you take care of these kids? Can you like basically be their governess? So it's like this kind of, like, I feel like it's an homage to turn of the screw, but it's really funny. And, um, it's just basically about this young woman spending all of her time with these two kids who are like really interesting and smart. Um, but like have this deep anger inside of them that leads them to like 
combust into flames. It's really good. That I'm really sounds, enjoying it. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Wow. Yeah, I can see it becoming a movie super easily. And it's a very yeah. comedic book, too. Um, and then the other thing I'm into is I recently watched uh, David Cronenberg's adaptation of Stephen King's The Dead Zone, starring Willem Dafoe. And I liked it. I liked it a lot. And then it sent me down on a rabbit hole looking into conspiracy theories that Willem Dafoe killed. No, it's not Willem Dafoe. It's Christopher Walken. Oh, my God. I can't. No, it's okay. They, I, they're the same. They're very similar, even though I like Willem Dafoe better. What I meant to say, I can't believe I was going to drag Willem Dafoe's name through the mud like this. What I meant to say is I went down a conspiracy hole of uh, Christopher Walken killed Natalie Wood. Let me know what you think about oh, that. Oh, shit. I can't even picture Christopher Walken. I just picture Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Christopher Walken apparently has been styling his hair like Elvis his whole life. So if that helps, he has like a pompadour kind of thing. I know who he is, but I just can't. My mind. He talks like this. <laughs> and he Will talks like this in the movie about the man... <laughs> Who can see the future? Okay, what are you into this week? Um, okay, so I recently watched a K drama on Netflix called Itaewon Class, and it stars the guy from Parasite, who's like the friend that gives them the rock. Park uh, Sojun. Oh yeah, he's handsome. He's the actor. Yeah. And he plays Sari, a guy that's expelled from high school for refusing to apologize for punching the son of a rich CEO slash head honcho guy for being a bully. And then he's um, after that, the son kills his dad. Okay, it's so confusing. Anyway, it's like a 15 year long revenge plot. But it's like super lighthearted, and it's there's also like some romance and love it. He, his 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 revenge plot is basically he has to open up a cafe and build it into a large enough corporation that will rival the CEO's corporation Ooh. so that he can crush the other corporation. But he's such a good guy. He's just like so like pure, and he has such growth and. I was like, I wish I could be as, like, calm-headed as this guy. And it's probably because he went to jail for three years and, like, meditated so the whole time. don't do that. Yeah, but because before that he did have, like, he went to jail because of an attempted murder on the son that killed his dad. Anyway, it's so good. <laughs> Highly recommend. It's super fun. Um, and there's, like, a... I'm not sure how well the portrayal of these characters are, but there is a trans character and a black character, which is I've never seen in a Korean drama before, which Ooh. is interesting. I feel like they're trying to maybe it's also based on a webtoon, but I feel like maybe they're trying to get more diverse, um, which is very cool to see. Not sure they did it 100 percent the right way, but, you know, I appreciate the effort. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then the second thing I just read on Earth were Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean Vuong. Oh, it's on my list. Yeah, it's a debut uh, novel slash kind of like a poem in the style of a letter from a Vietnamese American son to his mom covering like abusive parenting, uh, his relationship with his grandma, drug addiction, life as an immigrant in America, the Vietnam War, growing up queer. 
Um, it really reads like a memoir. It's it's a novel, but it's um, it feels real. Uh, and there's lots of heart and uh, like tenderness toward even toward people that are bad or do bad things. Mm-hmm. Not that are bad, that do bad things. Um, and yeah, recommend it. It was very good. Um, and then the third thing thing I'm into is the Great, which is on Hulu about uh, Catherine the Great. Um, I felt like created- nervous to watch this. I was like, I don't know. Really? If this, like, do I? Is it you really liking it? I love it. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I um, I haven't seen the favorite, but it's created by Tony McNamara who has a writing credit on the favorite i don't know like what he did on the favorite but yeah oh, God. <laughs> um but it's basically the favorite i think okay is from what i what i gather it, except it's russian i think it's probably like more colorful and uh it's like for tv so mm-hmm. it's for it's like a, i think i think it's like tone I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen the favorite, so okay. I love the favorite, so I should definitely watch it. Yeah, it's like very funny and like opulent and very disturbing and like super disturbing. There's a bunch of like crazy rape and torture and like crazy violence and stuff, but. It manages to keep this light tone, and I think that's because the. Uh, Catherine is played by Elle Fanning and Peter, her sociopathic husband, is played by Nicholas Holt. And they manage to have this, like, Elle Fanning does a really good job at having this, like, seething anger toward and hatred toward Peter. But also keeping it, like, she's very, like, light and optimistic about, like, the coup that she is Mm. trying to (laughs) perform. Um yeah, I, I'm not, I'm only a few episodes in, but I really am enjoying it so far. It's very entertaining. So I definitely recommend it for sure. Oh, can't wait. Oh, I feel like we have such a big task ahead of us to talk I about. Know. Oh my God. A movie as well known as Jaws and then a movie as visually dense as House. But we're going to give it <laughs> our best shot. <laughs> I, yeah, no, we're good. We're, we're good. We got, we this. got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. When police chief Martin Brody trades in the big city for the beach community of Amity, he can't foresee many problems past small-town politics and the 4th of July parade. But then, a monstrous great white shark enters the waters of Amity and threatens the tourism that keeps the community afloat. Brody attempts to shut down the beaches of Amity, but faces pushback from the town's mayor. After the shark claims several lives, Brody teams up with rich kid-turned-oceanographer Matt Hooper and Quint, a local shark hunter with a dark past. Um... This is one of, I think, my favorite movies. I know it's like so cliche. <laughs> it's it's a mer- It's the world of the world's favorite. Yeah, movies, I just feel it. like it's you're not alone. A movie that I'm always in the mood to watch, like no matter what. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's really good. I um I think this is only the second time I've seen it, but I really like it. It's a great movie. It's just really really good. I watched mm-hmm. it um maybe like ten years ago on the beach at night at the Jersey shore, they, we were in Cape May wow. and they projected it onto a gigantic screen right on the beach for people to come watch at night. Uh, oh, that's so cool. Which is really, really fun. And I think this, this movie like kicked off our 
cultural obsession with sharks and Shark Week is yeah. to this movie for sure. Oh, 100%. And like so many other things, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Like the blockbuster. The, yeah, the, the summer movie like, idea. Yeah, it just changed everything. Did, we owe it all to... Yeah, did you know that... I think they mentioned this briefly in the film, but um, shark attacks weren't really a thing until people started swimming for fun and people didn't start swimming mm-hmm. recreationally until like the past 100 years, basically. Oh, really? Yeah. People like, it was That's just like, crazy. why the fuck would we swim? You know? <laughs> yeah, true. Like, people were obviously like use ships and stuff, but no one swam in the way we do now. For no fun. one went to beaches in the way we do now. <laughs> yeah. So sharks are just kind of responding to having. That's wild. New animals in their environment i guess they had so much clothes too like <laughs> yeah it's like you were, how did they swim you can't swim <laughs> so just some shark facts for you um this was directed by steven spielberg i looked at this document a few minutes before we started and i saw that i had written his name as steven spielberger which is just like a <laughs> compulsion of mine and i forget that i did it um, he was 26 when he filmed this, and it was his second movie. I shut up. I saw that when I opened the stock, and I just immediately closed like, it again. Oh, it's like fuck off. Yeah, exactly. Like, can you imagine having the authority to be like, "I'm in charge of a multi-million-dollar movie project"? He also went like famously over budget and over schedule. Yeah, by like oh a lot. Um, yeah. 26. <laughs> well, well, a white dude for you. Yeah, it's so true. Like. I'm just trying to imagine myself as a 26-year-old, like, directing the actor who played Quint, Robert Shaw, or, you know, organizing all those groups of people together. God, help us. Just to have a... Yeah, whatever. Of his experience filming Jaws, Spielberg said, I was naive about the ocean. Basically, I was pretty naive about Mother Nature, and the hubris of a filmmaker who thinks he can conquer the elements was foolhardy. But I was too young to know I was being foolhardy when I demanded we shoot in the film in the Atlantic Ocean and not in North Hollywood tank, which is like a metaphor for the movie too. Yeah, I was going to say that it's probably it, like he went through this. He underestimated Mother Nature, just like the people the of town yeah. folk of Amity. Mm-hmm. So there's so many things to tackle about this movie. Do you want to mm-hmm. start by talking about masculinity in the film as a good spot to kick off? Uh, sure. I feel like... Um, the the movie sort of gives us three different versions of masculinity in the three main characters, which are uh, Brody, Hooper, and Quint. And um, a lot of people divide. I mean, it's like you could talk about them in their the, the their occupations. So Brody is the police chief, uh, Hooper is the scientist, and Quint is the um, like hardy sea captain whatever but a lot of people talk about them as like body heart brain which mm-hmm. is what lukov said on medium um and so body is quinn heart is brody and brain is hooper and this they also um in another article i read actually in gq uh by tom carson he says um Oh, yeah. No, he says, uh, Quint, Brody, and Hooper, the guy flick equivalent of the scarecrow, the tin man, and the cowardly lion. So, mm. In a roundtable discussion in The Dissolve, um, writers Noel Murray, Keith Phipps, 
Nathan Rebin, Tasha Robinson, oh my God, so many, and Scott Tobias talked about masculinity in the movie. And there's kind of this arc of Chief Brody's that happens throughout the film where when we're introduced to him, he is this big city cop who's moved to a small town. He has to deal with all this bullshit. People are constantly approaching him with problems. He has kind of an ineffectual struggle with the mayor at first, trying to get the, the beaches closed. Um, he rolls over and, and he does whatever he's told. Um, and then, you know, he kind of has this arc where he has to go out and find himself in the sea too, with these two men who utilize different, um, you know, different tactics to kind of fight the shark. And there's a scene where the three men are like hanging out below deck and Quint and Hooper are showing each other their scars and they are literally like piling their limbs on top of each other. And it's Mm -hmm. this like real moment of like male bonding. And we see chief Brody, like shyly check his (laughs) like appendectomy scar and decide it's like not worth talking about. And I think (laughs) the cross section of these different types of masculinity as well is like a cross section of class that the movie kind Mm -hmm. of definitely, uh, trods like Hooper is like says he's like a wealthy kid who is able Mm -hmm. to be an oceanographer. And then Quint is clearly this working class sailor and chief Brody Mm -hmm. falls somewhere in between. Um, Mm -hmm. and this movie came out in the seventies and I think a good touch point between our discussion of this film and Jaws is something you pointed out that these two movies are both basically walking around like the second world war and mm-hmm. navigating these two different national and cultural feelings about the second world war. Yeah. They, they're not just the three men are, I feel like are not just divided uh, in terms of like their different like levels of masculinity, I guess you could say, mm. and not just like their class, but also generally generationally. Um, and in an article on Bitchflix by Julia Pat, she says the um, the grizzled ex Navy shark hunter who survived the sinking of the USS Indianapolis dies screaming and terrified in the jaws of the beast. He assured everyone he could defeat the era for such men has passed. The film seems to tell us, and it is not quite the era of Matt Hooper's either. He survives, but it seems unlikely he would have made it back to shore. If not for Brody's success, his technology likewise does not save him. Rather the film seems to aim for the middle. We are in a time of soft spoken fathers who don't have anything to prove and would just rather not go swimming. Thank you very much. Yeah. And it's like, you uh, think of like Brody probably came of age in the fifties too. So that like perfectly tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I mean, both this movie and house, uh, reference the bomb in, in Hiroshima in the world, in world war two. And, um, in this movie, Jaws, Quint is the on the ship the USS Indianapolis that delivers the bomb I guess one of the yeah the smaller bombs yeah yeah um and in house we could talk about later but uh the aunt's husband Mm -hmm. was killed Mm -hmm. um and I think in Jaws I think it is sort of dealing with like the trauma of that Mm -hmm. through Quint yeah, and it's it's interesting to watch Jaws and, you know, it's kind of obviously about the country going through this process of, 
not so much healing, but is like redefining what is American and what is masculine. And to think about what we're going through kind of right now, it's a really interesting uh, context to view the movie in. There's a scene where uh, Chief Brody is like, okay, well, we have to get signs to close down the beach. And his, you know, deputy or whatever is like, there's, we don't have those signs. <laughs> they do not, they don't <laughs> exist. And then the mayor confronts Chief Brody and is like, what gives you the authority to close down the beaches? And he basically says, you know, like we can't close down the beaches. Like we're a summer town. We depend on summer dollars. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh my God, this is the same conversation we're having right now about a pandemic right. going like the shark yeah. is the coronavirus, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, uh, oh, but I wanted to uh, talking again about like America. This is something that Elizabeth Cantwell wrote in a great article for bright wall, dark room. She about jaws. She said, um, the evil thing you thought you could ignore out of existence is rearing itself up and taking things from you, things you loved, things you were promised, and you are angry at it. And you are angry at America for blinding you to it. And yet you still need something homegrown and a, apple pied and full of shooting stars to save you. You need the American hero, the thoughtful man with something to prove the honest man with a lot at stake. And she wrote that like years ago, you know, but it it could Mm -hmm. be directly about what we're going through now. Right. Mm -hmm. And I do think that I think that maybe like Brody's version of masculinity in terms of being sort of like a soft spoken father, um, Maybe we need more of that, sort of. I think that this mm. movie sort of, it it starts off portraying Brody sort of like without a, almost like without a spine, yeah. sort of. He just is, yeah, he's, um, there's this great scene on a ferry where he's sort of cornered by the mayor and his like, cronies Mm -hmm. and it the way that the fairy is it feels like they're just like penned in and it's just great blocking and everything about it is really good um but then there's a scene that mirrors that later on where um and in that previous scene on the fairy brody is sort of uh like backs down and it's like okay we'll open the beaches whatever you say mayor Basically. Mm -hmm. And then later on, after two more people are killed, there's a confrontation in a hospital where Brody does finally like sort of is like draws a line and is like, we need to close the beaches. So it's sort of like this evolution of him learning to stick up for himself. But I still think that he remains vulnerable throughout the movie, even to the very end. Like he is just like he's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's like, he's brave, but he, but he, you, you can tell he's also like scared. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. I think. Yeah, it's interesting to read some of these uh, critic, like film crit about the movie, talking about masculinity because something I thought while watching it was we would never today see a movie with these three types of men. You know, like one of them would mm-hmm. have a six pack. <laughs> you yeah, know? so like like they even though to someone in a contemporary audience um Ro- uh, rob scheider who plays uh chief brody is like unmistakably masculine and handsome you know like mm-hmm. he seems like a dad to us 
you know, like just mm-hmm. like a dad, um, mm-hmm. and not like a Chris Evans or whatever, you right. know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, it's Ultimate just different than, than we expect. And, uh, Elizabeth Cantwell on that same bright wall, dark room article. I just really like this, what she wrote about, this is not a story about that girl referencing the girl at the beginning of the movie. Um, or about the mother who loses her son and shows up in, a, in black to slap Chief Brody in the face, or about the wife who loves her pent-up, anxious, striving husband and is scared for him but wants to do whatever he needs to do. This is a story about men, and for mm-hmm. sure. Um, yeah, at, well, in Julia Pat's article in Bitch Flicks mm-hmm. that I already referenced, she goes on to say um, about vulnerability, Jaws seems to deal more with the question of male helplessness, Mm. Uh, remember how the film begins a young woman asks a young man at a bonfire to go swimming with her he is too intoxicated to make it off the beach the shark attacks her and she disappears throughout the film we see innumerable nods to male fragility from brody's deputy vomiting when he discovers the young woman's remains to the elderly men wading into the water (sighs) with their pasty bodies to quince undignified end while brody seems a more capable capable man at the end of the film he is still at his most vulnerable as he fires that last shot from his position on a sinking ship Mm, for sure so i feel like maybe jaws is like presenting this version of masculinity that is vulnerable Mm -hmm. which i feel like we need more of yeah and kind of makes sense for a 26 year old guy not to psychoanalyze Steven yeah. Spielberg, who I do not know, <laughs> but you know, like it's his second film. It's one that he is, you know, he obviously says he has like a lot of hubris going into it. Um, mm-hmm. But to make a movie about men kind of questioning what they have to do and their authority. Uh, he, this movie I think is enjoyable to watch for a lot of reasons, but it is such an efficient piece of filmmaking where um, I think you put an article in about how it's almost so good that it's like tricked uh like it just has like made us expect things about movies i don't know how to explain yeah. that really no no no. it's, it's you know. it, yeah it's true it's things that we take for granted Hitch, it's like mm. the same thing as hitchcock it's like once you come to expect these certain types of like cinematic thoughtful maneuvers yeah. that yeah are just they become part of like the language now where we're like uh like we, we just expect it in every movie to be as well constructed as something like jaws or like a hitchcock movie Mm -hmm. where it's like um they're doing like i mean a lot of the that's a lot of the greatness of this movie is attributed to the editor Mm -hmm. um what's her name verna fields verna fields cutie and good editor great editor editor. yeah um but it'll just it it's it's nice to think about the movies that sort of like wrote the language, I guess you could say that we just could take for granted now, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's also extremely well done. I don't know. Yeah. It's just like, I think about shots uh, that I got excited to see uh, such as this Hitchcock zoom when chief Brody is on the beach during the second attack where, you know, the, the camera is both focused on his face and pulling away at the same time, you know, and um, mm-hmm. boop, 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 in the Dissolve article where they had that round table, a lot of the things they talk about, I think, really can be attributed to Verna Fields. Um, mm-hmm. They talk about uh, the vertigo shot which I just mentioned the invisible wipe, which is changing the shot immediately after an extra walks in front of the lens to kind of like reset the scene. And, um, 
you know, they, uh, someone else kind of pointed out that a lot of the skillfulness Verna brought to this project was editing funny scenes to seem horrific and horrific scenes to seem funny. Cause it is a, f- a funny movie. It really, it's mm-hmm. just a film that I think that makes you like we kind of talked about with our Mad Max episode. Editing is like the invisible right. hand. And mm-hmm. in a good film, it's not something that like a lay person kind of notices, but this movie mm-hmm. is made by really, a really great editor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, and this movie does have like, so what are, what, what are some scenes that you really love? Like I love the, I keep thinking about when he poured that huge glass of wine Into that was like a full club. water glass. Oh, I love the scene. Um, I, I kind of prefer the first act of this movie when they're on land, uh, mm-hmm. with the families, with the crowds I think of people. I do too. I felt less, I feel like if I had one crit- criticism, it'd be like, I wish there was a, maybe this is like too basic of me, but I wish there was like a button on the end where it's like chief Brody's family welcoming him back or like <laughs> something. I don't know. Maybe it's yeah. better. It's not like that, but I really love the scene where mm-hmm. chief Brody is home after this terrible day. He, a kid has died. His mother has mm-hmm. slapped him. And he's sitting there with his young son and he has his hand in his face and he looks up and he realizes his young son is mimicking him. And Mm -hmm. like we like basically like our whole discussion has been saying it. It's a movie about men and masculinity and fathers. And that's Mm -hmm. like a a little Mm -hmm. lovely moment that is afforded to us. Um, It's watching that. I was like a 26 year old guy made this. (laughs) Oh, I was. Yeah. But I mean, like he obviously like he probably had a dad not obviously but he probably had a dad and so like mm. experienced some sort of like father figure of course he he didn't he wasn't that. created by the force <laughs> well, i don't know if people have dads or not but like yeah yeah, yeah i think it Spielberg was very also, fo- like like loves kids tra- tra- and kids perspectives yeah like in his work this was pre-et pre-et pre all the other fucking everything. stuff he did yeah. <laughs> It made me. This did make me want to watch Jurassic Park. Really, uh, I'm watching it on Friday for my birthday. Yay! So That's so exciting. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Spielberg is so commercial and so I think has such a mass appeal. You know that you forget mm-hmm. like why his career launched the way it did, and it's because he can just make a really good movie. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like a really really good movie. We haven't really touched on the effects. They're mm-hmm. great. They're kind of iconic because the shark was not finished. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why you don't see him. And the suspense mm-hmm. is built so much throughout the film. Uh, I saw a lot of IMDb comments that were like, oh, my God, the shark is so fake looking. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> care about that at all. Like, Yeah. <laughs> it also doesn't seem that fake looking to me. I mean, like, and also I think that the, like, hurdles that the crew had to overcome mm-hmm. facing the shark malfunctioning probably attributed it a lot to a lot of the film's greatness because mm. they weren't able to use it so much that they had to sort of keep the terror like under the water yeah. a lot of the time which i guess we could talk about now if you want to the like serial killer point of view oh, shot yeah. um which i'm trying to find oh yeah brian eggert said in deep in uh, his deep focus review um, 
take the persistent theory of the shark as a sexual predator and serial killer. In this, Spielberg places us in the shark's perspective using underwater POV shots of bikini bodies and slender legs treading water. Not unlike the masked psychopath in the opening of John Carpenter's Halloween, Mm -hmm. the killer watches and follows its prey and then attacks with prolonged jabs as if to savor the moment. And it's funny because, like... It, it's the same thing that we were talking about earlier where you like sort of take it for granted. But mm-hmm. was this like the first, I don't know, maybe like one of the first things that did that type of shot. But now we see it in like every single slasher flick and it's like a like hallmark of that type of movie mm-hmm. that we're, we come to like expect it. Yeah. But I remember when we were talking about Halloween, which came out after this, but we were like, t- the we were, like shot. the point of, yeah. <laughs> But this did it first. Yeah. And it really makes you feel like you're with the shark and that the camera is the shark. It's like Mm -hmm. such a a weird film moment um, Mm -hmm. for sure. It makes the shark, especially in this one, I feel like it makes the shark feel like you feel like the shark is smart. Yeah. That's (laughs) true too. That's so true. It's like gonna, it's like hunting you, Mm -hmm. you know? And the workarounds, like you mentioned that they came up with to avoid showing the shark uh, the one that particularly I enjoy is that when they attach those tanks of air to the shark, because it's mm-hmm. like a way of making this like under this concealed evil thing visible. Like they shoot mm-hmm. it and then you can see it. Uh, yeah. I, I thought that was funny. Um, Hooper dies in the book and he was supposed to die in the film, but they got this one. They had divers take real footage of actual sharks and they got this mm-hmm. one amazing shot of a shark attacking an empty cage. And they were like, oh, we really want to use that. Uh, but we had Hooper dying in that scene. So he lives. <laughs> um, I read the sh- I read the book Jaws for some reason. Uh, a few years ago <laughs> and it's like very it's very very different it has way too much drama about the people's lives like, I'm like i heard it was very soapy super soapy and then there's lots of good shark stuff but uh mm-hmm. the one thing that they got rid of which they were so right to do is that hooper sleeps with the chief's wife in the book and it's like oh why would and so then when he dies it's like ha ha like yeah. a vengeance um but yeah i'm glad they fixed that yeah because they're buddies and also like if it's like we're going with this each person each man represents a different generation Mm. like there's hope for the younger generation thank you for sure for sure i love uh, hooper i like his performance too he gets to be like this dweebish nerd who is like right (laughs) yeah yeah and i think a lot of people compare well i mean we sort of already covered this but that Hooper and Quinn, although they have different versions of masculinity, have like are com- are shown as having, like you said, with showing their like cool scars, mm-hmm. a more like traditional, like rough version of masculinity compared to Brody. Like another thing is they both can handle their alcohol and they take the shots mm. of the like gross liquor but Brody can't handle it um yeah yeah i love richard dreyfus too he's so fun jaws i mean there's not much needs to be said about this but it has an iconic theme by john mm-hmm. williams um mm-hmm. everyone knows it it's this two note theme that john williams described as grinding away at you just as a shark would instinctual relentless unstoppable and I mean, like Steven Spielberg definitely owes many collaborators with the success of his movies. And John Williams mm-hmm. is, I think, number one with a bullet. Like, yeah. <laughs> thank you, John Williams. Yeah. 
yeah, definitely. For sure. <laughs> so good. Uh, da, da. Do you want to get into one-star reviews? Yeah, let's do it. What do you want to... I'll read this one. I okay. know that in movies, you're supposed to have character development, but in this movie, there's too much of it. Instead <laughs> of showing the shark, they show them drinking wine and eating dinner, and there's no point to it. Throughout the whole movie, Spielberg hides the shark, and in the end, you see its face. It's more like an unveiling. And of course... We a regular shark. Nothing to go wow over. Just a regular shark. Come on, people. Know what sharks look like. So why hit it in the movie? (laughs) (laughs) That people didn't know what sharks looked like. That's true. Back then. We know what sharks look like now because of this movie. Jaws, important shark representation. It's funny how... There's a point in the movie where pe- there's like they're like it's a tiger shark and the townspeople the scientist is like it's a tiger shark and the townspeople are like uh, what and they're like what's a shark <laughs> and now everyone's like it's this type of shark we watch Shark Week type. yes <laughs> we are studied in sharks um, the second one star review is a shark twice as big as a normal shark. This movie is absolutely boring. <laughs> the shark in the movie is as twice as big as a normal shark. <laughs> and he's so smart. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> it is twice as big and smart. <laughs> Spielberg is one of the worst directors ever. <laughs> the shark gets out of traps. To tell you the truth, I haven't seen the whole movie in a long time. <laughs> But from what I remember, it's boring. Very bad acting. Don't watch it. <laughs> he doesn't like that the shark is smart. <laughs> oh, that was good. It's not like he's that smart. <laughs> and, like, a big shark is scary. Also, I feel like there are sharks this big, though. Yeah. Sharks get really big. I mean, we just don't know enough about sharks. Our last final review, uh, final one star review is one star instead of zero for naked girl at the beginning. Classic. Getting back to our <laughs> our classic one star. <laughs> yep. I need me. Uh, we haven't had one of those no, in a while. We haven't. <laughs> uh, Mackenzie, what's your rating for Jaws? Oh wow, I forgot. Uh, like a, I'm gonna rate it an eight and a half. Nice, 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 nice. I'm going to rate it a 9. I didn't rate it a 10 because I would have liked a scene where Chief Brody hugs and kisses his wife and is like, thank you (laughs) for the support. (laughs) And they get back and everything's okay. Aw, that would be nice. Yeah, maybe I'll make an extended cut. (laughs) You could do it in like, oh my God, you could remake it. Why not? I could remake it in quarantine. Yeah. Oh, well. Do it. Twiggy is the shark. <laughs> I support it. Yes. Okay. So our next movie is House from 1977. Gorgeous, a beautiful and popular schoolgirl, is crushed to find her summer vacation plans ruined when her father surprises her with his new fiance. Bereft, Gorgeous plans a trip for her estranged aunt's house in the countryside and invites along her six friends, Melody, Mac, Prof, fantasy sweet and kung fu gorgeous's aunt has been living by herself in a secluded house waiting diligently for decades for her dead lover to return from the war 
She welcomes Gorgeous and her friends, but they very quickly realize her house is not what it seems. One by one, the gang of girls are tormented and disfigured by dolls, pianos, and watermelons, while Gorgeous takes the place of her aunt as the house's witch. <laughs> Barely made it out of that alive. Like, I'm going to start looking at these overboard. I'm sorry. Uh, um, this is directed by Nobuhiko Obayashi, who just died in April, actually. Yeah, he very recently. just recently died. And the reason you've probably been wondering why we chose to do this with Jaws, but it's because House came about, um, uh, Obayashi was approached and asked to make Jaws for a Japanese audience, and this is what he came up with. Um <laughs> I love when someone takes a prompt in such an unusual direction. Uh, yeah, same. Just like it's, uh, this was actually really fun to kind of watch these two and try to figure out what the connections are beyond the inciting mm-hmm. incident. And I think they really do have a lot in common. If you look about, if you think about like generational divides. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, and also like we talked about like responses to like generational trauma. Um, mm-hmm. a thing that I think we both love about this movie is that the story is credited to the director's preteen daughter, Chigumi. Um, mm-hmm. amazing. She came up with mm-hmm. a lot of really great and memorable ideas from kind of her own nightmares, <laughs> such as, uh, the watermelon in the well that looks like a human head. The house that eats girls is her idea. Um, a futon pile attacking her a large lead <laughs> clock at her grandparents home and getting her fingers caught between the piano keys she is twisted and i love it <laughs> i love it too and i think like this whole movie just i mean obviously like it's about young girls and the ideas are by a young girl but i think also like the editing and it's so like st- stylish i mean it's very like there's a lot of like cheesy painted sets and a lot of like a lot of people compared to like Dada and it's very like collage like and I think that's like very teen girl like just sort of the collage style of like editing mm. and pasting like there are like parts that are like illustrated and parts like overlaid on actual film and like um or like paint like a cat ghost it's like is like painted crafts. coming out. Yes, it is like arts and crafts and I love that about it. I liked it. I loved it too thinking about watching this like I hate that effects looking super realistic has somehow become like a hallmark of skillfulness in a movie, you know, like when you can't tell something is not real. Mm-hmm. Like this is a horror movie. It's okay that it looks <laughs> unreal or bizarre or surreal you know mm-hmm. I, and i feel and that, it's part of its charm it's part of its like, charm and i feel that way about the acting as well too like it's mm-hmm. heightened it's cartoonish um it's uh, really fun to watch there's a few like editing flourishes that really stuck out to me and manola dargis in the new york times kind of talks about them as well she says that they seem to express the interior states of the characters the wind that gently stirs Ryoko's hair, that's the fiance, and clothes whenever she steps in front of the camera suggests that she imagines herself as kind of a romantic figure. Similarly, the gauzy shot of dreamy of a dreamy looking girl playing the piano implies that she too sees herself in flattering soft focus, which is very feminine mm-hmm. and like a feminine mm-hmm. gaze in this movie about mm-hmm. yeah. teenage girls. And I would say, like, even I mean, all the 
characters, obviously, we listed them all out, are just called by different characteristics which i think in itself is like a very teenage girl type thing to do to just be like i'm the smart one you're the hot you know like like literally like it's like spice girls or spice girls like totally spies (laughs) yeah um it reminded me of like a teenage girl magazines where it's like which one are you Uh, exactly and Mackenzie, which one are you um Frankly, probably fantasy. I feel like you're a prof. I was going to say prof. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I love them all, though. I really love uh, Kung Fu. That was my yeah, favorite Kung part Fu's when I first favorite. saw the movie. She is called Kung Fu. And every once in a while, the movie will start playing what I imagine is like a action movie, like a mm-hmm. um, uh, song. And Kung Fu like <laughs> does Kung Fu. <laughs> yeah. And it's like slow motion. And she's like kicking stuff. And you really believe that she could be the hero of the film. Yeah. And I think... The the editing, like we were saying before, like how Ryoko's hair and clothes, blah, 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 wind, whatever, Manola and Argus mm-hmm. said it. Um, I think that's true. It That that comes through for all of the characters, mm-hmm. and it comes through in their names. Like, they're divided not just by their names, but also by the way that they're filmed, which I think yeah. is just like, they're not just labeled those things. It's not an easy thing, just labeling those mm-hmm. them as like those little things. But I think they, because he takes the time to film them all uniquely, I feel like it works. Yeah. And they all, sense. their demises match up in some way kind of with their personalities. Like Mac mm-hmm. is the one who loves to eat and... <laughs> maybe i'm mac but also like mac i like that they tease her about it but also love her for it they're like mac loves to eat and they're all smiling and she's like i do yeah (laughs) it's really cute um there's it's interesting to watch this with jaws which is so much about men because this movie is like men are dumb and can't really help you ever yeah uh and like you kind of think throughout the film that their school teacher this guy that fantasy has a crush on is going to save them. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, he, he does not save them. He turns into yeah. a pile of bananas. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but the, um, I thought towards the end of the film, and I'm not the only person to kind of like think about this. I think, uh, you do see a lot more of the girls naked bodies, which is like, yeah. very weird. It's disappointing. It's weird to me, especially because he like, of his daughter i don't know i i did not like that we saw so much nakedness and there maybe he felt like he had to because of jaws oh you don't see that it's you see more nakedness in this yeah and the and the their bodies are kind of like due to the editing kind of like chopped up too yeah at different points which is like a classic horror movie thing where Mm. they're like like i mean (laughs) this one like literally chops them up through the editing like in the collage style that we were talking about mm-hmm. usually it's more of like uh mm-hmm. um editing just what the way the movie is cut like where you see like different pe- pieces yeah. of the body in the frame but this is like there is a frame and then there are like swirling floating arms swirling yeah which actually i saw a tiktok today i guess <laughs> i saw a tiktok today where uh, <laughs> floating <laughs> floating arms would like come out of like floating body parts would come out and then attach themselves to the people and it reminded me oh of yeah house. i've seen those and i was like 
the youth it, it's like youths they yeah, like that they do they like to collage <laughs> uh chuck stevens in criterion.com wrote an essay about house and he kind of talks about the same thing we're talking about he said not since the work of outsider artist henry darger who ransacked children's books to create epic collage tapestries depicting armies of oft naked girl warriors in battle have so magnificently demented possibilities for simultaneously empowering imperiling and eroticizing pubescent young women having gathered so dazzling together in one place and never such at a, at such a speed demon pace um yeah, I thought that's a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if it's like also just a like sign of the times in Japan. I feel like I read somewhere that this was like the first. I, I, I that it was like incredible that this movie was able to be made in that time because like the previous biggest movie there. Oh, yeah. so, I mean, not that this was a big movie there, but like was like a softcore porn movie, you know, and then there was something else. And this was like a doing. huge success as well, yeah. critically yeah. and commercially. Especially like young, like young, young audiences, like young people. Yeah. Chuck Stevens also writes in that essay, um, what Toho, Toho Studios was hoping for when it hired Obayashi was a homegrown Jaws, a locally produced summer movie roller coaster, sufficiently thrill-cocked to at least partially deflect the ongoing slot of Tokyo box office topping new Hollywood hits. From Messrs. Spielberg and Lucas, something fast and loud with tons of fun packed between screams. In the Japanese cinema of the mid-1970s, fast fun and homegrown hit were in short supply. Um, And this movie, I think, wasn't easily accessible in other parts of the world until the past 10 years. Um, It saw a wide release in 2010. Um, Mm. That's part of the Criterion Collection. Yeah. Uh, I got to see this on a big screen in November at our local MFA, and it was really, really fun. And everyone was laughing, like, so much. There's so much funny bits that transcend, Mm -hmm. like, language. and They're very, like, Mm -hmm. physical comedy uh, Mm -hmm. beats that are very, very funny. And, like, the movie knows it's silly, too. Like, Mm -hmm. the slow-mo, the hair rippling, it knows it's silly. Um, mm-hmm. you pulled someone, uh, Matthew Pridham, who wrote, it's like evil dead written by a 10 year old girl. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> Which like I, level it, level it up, you know, like, please put, let's get some more ideas from, uh, 10 year old girls. Let's get them in the yeah. studios. Mm-hmm. Did you have a favorite special effect or, um, vignette in the film? gosh so many i loved all like the uh like collage type things where it was like a piece of art with the film it's hard to describe in words but i also loved the green glint in the cat's eye oh yeah um i think those were probably like my favorite what about you i loved when gorgeous is kind of like engulfed by flames that are kind of like layered under uh, I really loved that. I loved when the uh, the aunt is looking at one of the girls and she has an eyeball in her mouth. Ah, so cool. Yeah, just yeah. really cool. And she's the only professional actor in the movie other, mm-hmm. other than, I guess, like, I don't know if the dad was, but he was not important. <laughs> like, yeah. he, this is another movie where it's like the end is you think there's going to be some sort of uh, closure you know, uh, mm-hmm. and there is, but it's not in the way you expect with the yeah. the fiance arriving. I think that, so this movie 
is sort of about like in I guess if we want to compare it to Jaws like how it, it talks about how like two different generations reacted or are impacted by the bomb mm-hmm. I guess you could say um, so on the way to the aunt's house uh, Gorgeous is on the train with her all of her friends and she's telling them about her aunt's history and she there's like they're looking at photographs of the aunt these like black and white photos and they're going through them and they're just like giggling like girls do when Mm -hmm. they talk to each other and are having a fun time but it's really this actually incredibly sad story about the war and then there's like this picture of the bomb going off and one of the girls is like oh it looks like cotton candy yeah and i think there's like a like strong disconnect i think there like generationally between how obviously the aunt's life she is like turned into a witch and like a ghost and is haunting it's like set on revenge sort of because of the bomb mm-hmm. and the like pe- the love that she lost because of that but the girls don't I aren't taking it as seriously. Um, and I wonder if that's because of like, I don't know, like a Japanese sentiment at the time, like the young people weren't mm. taking it as seriously. But um, I think that in the scene you're talking about with uh, Gorgeous, where she is sort of like parts of her face are and skin are cut off and, underneath it like it's like collage like the second mm-hmm. layer is fire mm-hmm. um it's almost like a reckoning between the two generations because in the mirror that she's looking in that is cracking as she looks in it it is constantly like flashing back and forth between gorgeous's mm. face and the aunt's face as she was younger yeah, um, and they kind of become one, ultimately. She yeah. She like observes her. I think there's also a lot we could talk about, um, about as masculine as the idea of these men going out into the ocean to kill an animal. It's This is a classic house horror movie where mm-hmm. w- women and domesticity and horror mm-hmm. and are all kind of like wrapped up together. Um, yeah which is just like such a common trope. And Mm -hmm. I mean, we could do like a whole other episode about that, but (laughs) there's just so much there. Mm -hmm. We should do actually. Do you think that the house, do you think the aunt is actually like alive and like a witch or do you think the house? It's interesting because it seems like a lot, a lot of the things I read were referring to the house as like the main malevolent character. Yeah. But I mean, they're just like indistinguishable. Maybe, yeah. I I guess I, when I was, like, watching it, I thought that way. Oh, because, oh, this is why. Because (laughs) when um, the girls first enter the house, there's this, um, God, I always mix up high angle and low angle. It's just, like, we're not nearsighted and farsighted. I can't, I don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) But it's looking down on them. And it's like a fish le- fish eye lens mm-hmm. um, on them. And it looks like it's not from the aunt's point of view who's in a wheelchair and looking up at them. It's like from the house's point of view. And it made me feel like it was like the house that was actually the thing that was going to kill them. 
Yeah, it is. And it's like the ant kind of disappears after mm-hmm. Gorgeous uh, takes her place, too. So it's difficult to tell. Mm-hmm. I feel um, like they're probably, it's like intertwined. It's almost mm-hmm. like if you stay in a house by yourself, oh gosh, I shouldn't even say she this. She didn't have a man. People listening to this are by themselves in their house for a long, prolonged time. Um, but like, maybe you go crazy and the house takes over and you becomes are, demonic. You and, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Please, it's fake. <laughs> There's hope. I mean, I did think this is like, oh, like an interesting quarantine watch too, because it's about being trapped in a house uh Mm -hmm. yeah wow a really good movie like honestly if you cannot tell what this movie is about based on our discussion it's because the plot is not important uh and it's just like a really strongly visual movie where you just have to see it to understand yeah i mean yeah yeah the plot is just they go to a house and they get picked off one by one yeah it's awesome yeah it's also like a slasher movie yeah um lots of gore but like watery gore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not super upsetting or scary. No. So this is our first one star review. One. This is our first one star review for House. Mm-hmm. This movie is so cheesy and bad. It's a bunch of idiotic Japanese young girls at gay ass haunted house. All the Japanese stereotypes are in this horrid movie. Oh, when I read this, I was like, oh my god, it's been so long since I've actually read someone using gay in a negative way. You know, yeah. I feel like it's just was this written in like 2001. Yeah, like gay has just done like a whole journey, you know, where it's like, yeah. like now, of course, it's like an irrefutably good thing. Yeah, yeah I know. Uh, I'm like gay ass haunted house. house. Like sign, sign me, me up. up. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it kind of is a gay ass haunted house. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're very right. I'm sure. Yeah, there's like probably a very like queer reading of this movie too. Uh, mm-hmm. To do this is our second review. The acting is awful. The ending is awful. There's no reason for people to like this movie. It is poo-poo. 7.3 <laughs> is overrating it. I give it 1 out 10 because it is poo-poo. The actors have no talent. The writers have no talent. Do not see this poo-poo movie. I need more lines and I'm running out of things to say. Crappy movie, crappy movie, crappy movie. I've realized from trolling the IMDb comment section so much that you mm-hmm. have to have a review of 10 lines, I think, or there's like a limit. So people do that all the time. They're just like bad, 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 really? bad, bad. Yeah. Oh my god that's so annoying that's so annoying anyway house is great and you should definitely yeah see it. Oh, so good there's like so many good like screen caps oh, from this yes i'm so excited to do the social <laughs> i was thinking that i was like i can't believe i i think i did see this movie on tumblr a lot but didn't know what i was from like the yeah. cat with the green eye i've definitely seen yes yes uh it's so good. It's I, yeah. I think I first saw this movie like on Tumblr, and I was just like, I hunted it down, but then mm-hmm. never watched it. And it's always been on my list, and now I finally did, and yeah. glad I did. It's very like inspiring in terms of like art. Yeah, for sure, for sure, and like heartwarming in terms of girls and art. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> girls and art. I want to go on a vacation with all my friends. Oh, me too. They all hang out together. So yeah. sweet. I'm going to give my final rating on House a seven. I really like it. If you haven't seen it, hunt it down. I'm going to give it a seven too. Really like it. I'm excited to look at it more. Um, and I would definitely recommend it um, to anyone. Go watch it. 
It would really help us out if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ChickFlixPod and email us at ChickFlixPodcasts at gmail.com. Um, Chick Flix is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Good Carlson for our music, and thank you for listening to Chick Flix.